Brexit, Northern Ireland, how to leave the EU but not leave a border on the island of Ireland. Theresa May couldn't solve it. The House has spoken and the government will listen. It is clear that the House does not support this deal. Boris Johnson thought he had solved it. We have a plan to do it. We have a deal that is ready to go. It is oven ready. Whack it in. Gas mark for I mean, I'm not a great cook, but you know what I mean. It's there. He then changed his mind. I don't think that the interpretation or application of the protocol is, is sensible or pragmatic. Uh, there are all kinds of impediments being constructed and we need to sort it out. Now Rishi Sunak thinks he has made history. I'm pleased to report that we have now made a decisive breakthrough. Together, we have changed the original protocol and are today announcing the new Windsor framework. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. We knew we had to work hard with clear minds and determination, but we also both knew, dear Rishi, that we could do it because we were both genuinely committed to find a practical solution for people and for all communities in Northern Ireland. I believe the Windsor Framework marks a turning point for the people of Northern Ireland. It fixes the practical problems they face. It preserves the balance of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Now, of course, parties will want to consider the agreement in detail, a process that will need time and care. We need to look at the legal text, we need to get legal advice on that, we need to make our own assessments and come to a considered view on this. As I have said, um, uh, I hope that we can do that uh, within a reasonable time frame, but let's face it, it has taken months to get to this point. All political parties need to be sitting around the executive table taking decisions that impact on people's lives. That's where we should be today. There shouldn't be any delays in that. Vincent, we have a health service in crisis. We have public sector workers out on the picket line. Where we need to be is making politics work and standing up for the people that uh, we represent collectively. And I think that's where all energies and efforts need to be now. I pay tribute to our European friends for recognising the need for change particularly President von der Leyen, my predecessors for laying the groundwork for today's agreement. And I have been clear for some time that if the Prime Minister were to get an agreement with the EU, and if that agreement is in the interests of this country and Northern Ireland, then Labour would support it. Yeah. And we will stick to our word. We will not snipe, we will not seek to play political games. And when the Prime Minister puts this deal forward for a vote, Labour will support it and vote for it. Today's agreement provides solutions. Solutions that are agreed, workable and durable. I appreciate that people will want some time for careful and reasoned consideration of the Windsor Framework. I hope that when they do, they'll be able to give it their full support and that it will lead to an early restoration of the Assembly and Executive in Northern Ireland and also the North South Ministerial Council, allowing the Belfast Good Friday Agreement to work again and develop.
the United Kingdom and European Union may have had our differences in the past, but we are allies, trading partners and friends, something that we've seen clearly in the past year as we joined with others to support Ukraine. This is the beginning of a new chapter in our relationship. Rishi Sunak ending that montage put together by our reporter Una Kelly with a little help from Johnny Nash. Our northern editor Vincent Kearney is with us. Morning, Vincent. Morning, Gavin. Is it a case of goodbye northern protocol, hello Windsor framework? Well, I suppose that, that depends who you speak to. Uh, certainly sources in Brussels yesterday were insisting that uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol, by and large, uh, has remained in place, uh, I suppose with some tweaks. Uh, the British government is putting a very different spin on it. I think the DEP will also attempt to put a, a very different spin uh, on some of this as well, because, of course, for a couple of years, the DEP was told the protocol could not be replaced and could, be, could not be renegotiated. Uh, and yet yesterday, I uh, presented with the Windsor framework, which, which appears to have made uh, quite a few changes. You know, the, the, this green lane, uh, red lane issue, whereby goods coming into Northern Ireland um, from Britain that, that stay within Northern Ireland would be subject to virtually no checks at all. Um, some estimates saying that the checks would be reduced to about 3% uh, of what they had been previously. And only those goods travelling into the European single market across Across the border into the Republic, we go through the red lane. Um, that's one change. Uh, you referred earlier to, uh, to, to potatoes, um, plants, and pets, uh, and, and changes there as well. Um, previously, under the, under the protocol, uh, pet owners travelling um, between Britain and Northern Ireland would have had to have vet issued health certificates uh, because of, of the threat of rabies, despite the fact that rabies has not been an issue on the island of Ireland for, for over 100 years. So, so that's been removed. There are also changes made on, around parcels uh, and on medical. Uh, on VAT and alcohol duty. Um, Rishi Sunak yesterday uh, appealing to the masses trying, trying to garner support, saying this would mean that any reduction in the price of a pint uh, introduced in Britain could also apply in Northern Ireland. Um, so quite a few changes there that, that if you were trying to sell this deal, um, you could do so. In short, and I know that's a challenge, what is the Stormont break? Ah, no, as you say, it is a challenge. There was some confusion yesterday. I think there might be still some confusion with some of the parties because they're looking to see what the final detail on this is. Now, the, the European Commission, its own explainer document, points out that uh, this uh, break, this so-called emergency break, is something that can only be used in exceptional circumstances as a matter of last resort and could not be used for trivial matters. An interesting gap <clears throat> can only be used when the Stormont executive is back up and running, with a First Minister and Deputy First Minister in place. So if the DEP wanted to avail of this break uh, to stop new European laws being introduced, it would have to go back into power sharing. Now, the way it would work is, say, for example, Europe wants to introduce new laws in the field of manufacturing in Northern Ireland. If the Stormont, the Stormont Assembly would have to give its, sen- its consent to diverge from the rest of the United Kingdom. So if Stormont didn't raise any objections, <coughs> pardon me, uh, uh, those new laws would apply. But say, for example, the DUP did not like the new laws, it would raise what's called a petition of concern. So we would gather 30 signatures um, from unionists, 30 signatures or more from at least two parties. Um, and that would uh, trigger a petition of concern. Because any uh, uh, cross-party um, issue, any major issue within the, the storm of the executive requires cross-community support. That's the support of the majority of nationalists as well as the support of the majority of unionists. And a petition of concern would signal that the majority of unionists were against any new EU 
law been introduced. That would effectively block it. It would then go to the British government for the British government to consider whether or not it would exercise a veto. But there are lots of other complications here because we also heard yesterday, yes. of course, that the, the European Court of Justice will remain their final legal arbiter. So that raises the question, could the European Court of Justice veto the British government's veto? And we don't know the answer to that yet. A veto on a veto. We'll be talking to the DEP's Geoffrey Donaldson later. Some of his MPs are already saying publicly that this isn't enough for them. Could Geoffrey Donaldson realistically wait until after May's council elections before making a final decision on power sharing? There certainly is a school of thought that could happen. Now, there's no doubt, Gavin, that the DEP would have liked a lot of what it heard yesterday because it, it uh, privately behind the scenes, is saying, look, we, we secured major uh, changes here, uh, major concessions from Europe that for years the European Union said simply were not on the table and, and were not possible. Um, but Geoffrey Donaldson will be aware of critics now. Uh, worth noting the two, the two MPs who have criticised us so far, Ian Paisley, uh, the North Antrim MP, saying this deal simply doesn't cut the mustard. Uh, Sammy Wilson, um, the, the party's spokesman, lead spokesman on Brexit issues, said he also doesn't believe that this actually delivers what the party needs. Now, both of those MPs are also known as mavericks. You know, they're not afraid to speak their own mind uh, uh, and to go out in front. Not quite clear yet if they've been sent out to articulate the official party view or whether they are now trying to shape and lead that party view by getting their criticism out in the open quickly because certainly Geoffrey Donaldson has said um, they will take time to consider this before delivering their final verdict. Now, the council elections are due in Northern Ireland in mid-May. And it is possible, of course, that if Geoffrey Donaldson feels that in the short term his party might take a kicking at the polls, uh, it might be in their interest to drag this out, not for weeks, but for a couple of months, for fear that if, that if they were minded to sign up to the agreement, and that's a big if at this stage, but if they're minded to sign up to it, uh, it might not go down okay. too well with their voters at this stage, who, of course, have backed their stance to stay out of Stormont. So it's entirely possible that for tactical reasons uh, he may decide to delay any form decision. Vincent, thank you. That's our Northern Editor, Vincent Kearney. 22 minutes past seven. And for more now on what's been happening in London, we can talk to Aubrey Allegretti, political correspondent of The Guardian. We've been hearing there about the reaction in Belfast. So far, how would you describe the response within the Conservative Party? Well, all the Conservative MPs yesterday who spoke publicly in the House of Commons chamber were supportive broadly of the shape of the Windsor framework There were former Prime Ministers, Theresa May, former Northern Ireland Secretaries, all of whom were urging colleagues to get behind the deal and support it. There remain uh, a few, let's call them agnostic voices, who say that they know that the devil can be in the detail in these things and have been stung before by previous promises from premiers and probably want to go away and will spend the next few days uh, scrutinising the detail. I'm thinking of Brexiteers like uh, Sibyl Cash, even Marc Francois, the leader of the European Research Group. The uh, the ERG, incidentally, is meeting today at 6pm to go through uh, the deal and decide on its response. So the jury's still out, but I think no, uh, number 10 are taking it as a very good sign that nobody has come out immediately and panned it, either based on the briefings we've had over the last few days all the details that were announced on Monday. A few moments ago, we heard a clip from Rishi Sunak in the Commons last night where he thanked his predecessors and um, it was met with quite a lot of laughter, I think, from both sides of the House. Any sign of Boris Johnson? No, uh, notably uh, absent from the House of Commons chamber, he and, of course, Liz Truss, who both were responsible for the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, which has now been 
formally ditched by the UK. The former Prime Minister, had uh, Boris Johnson, had been pushing for the bill to be maintained because he thought that it could try and guarantee some greater concessions from the European Union. However, it seems that uh, he's, he's gone away. He says he's studying the text of the Windsor framework. And uh, I think there are many Conservative MPs who feel that he's been defeated, uh, that they, he may have tried to march his supporters up to, the, up to the top of the hill with the threat of a rebellion and these briefings about 100 Conservative MPs potentially rebelling against it. All of that seems to have uh, pretty much come to nothing. How much work is being done by the government to try and get the Democratic Unionist Party on board? Well, there is certainly a very concerted effort to ensure that there is buy-in from the DUP, not least because that makes any potential rebellion for Rishi Sunak much easier because the European Research Group says it's in lockstep with the DUP. Having said that, I think there is also an acknowledgement by people in number 10 that they don't want to put too much pressure on the DUP or be forced or seen to be bouncing the party into making a decision. We've seen that in the discussions about the idea of this uh, vote in the House of Commons. There hasn't been a time frame put on it yet. And Rishi Sunak sort of directly addressed this question in Parliament yesterday, saying that he would continue to give answers uh, for as long as the questions were asked of him. So I don't think we're seeing too much pressure being applied in in the hope that that will then mean that it doesn't drive the DUP away. As you say, there will be a vote. Rishi Sunak said that. But it's not at all clear when that is likely to happen. No, absolutely not. Nor exactly what form the vote could take, because, of course, this framework is going to uh, come into force and it doesn't need a vote in the House of Commons. But Number 10 wanted one anyway to ensure that there was at least seen to be buy-in from across the political spectrum. And Labour had obviously offered their support in any vote. So the outcome of uh, that division was sort of understood anyway. We know exactly what's going to happen. The question really remains over whether or not there are any Conservative rebellions, potentially any amendments. But it looks as though most Conservative MPs are going to sort of slink away and lick their wounds. All of the sort of uh, very died in the world Brexiteers that I spoke to on Monday, people like Jacob Rees-Mogg and David Frost, the former UK negotiator, um, pretty agnostic and seemingly no one was prepared to say that based on what they had already seen that there was a big significant problem that would cause them to vote against this. When you talk to Conservative MPs about the, the number of expected rebels, they put it at maybe at, in the sort of dozen category, the people who are really the diehard Eurosceptics. All right. Aubrey Allegretti of The Guardian, thank you for being with us this morning. 27 minutes past seven. A few minutes ago, Geoffrey Donaldson of the DUP told us that he was reserving his judgment on the Windsor framework. However, one of the UK's most enthusiastic Brexiters and fiercest campaigners to get the UK out of the EU, Steve Baker, has endorsed it warmly. He's done it, he said in an interview with the BBC's Newsnight programme, referring to Rishi Sunak's ceiling of the framework agreement with the EU. And the Northern Ireland office minister said that only ideologues would oppose the framework. He also revealed the toll Brexit had taken on him. Seven years of this cost me my mental health. The beard, the jewellery is about me, my recovery. In November 21, I had a major mental health crisis, anxiety and depression, I couldn't go on. People couldn't tell and made a big keynote speech in the afternoon. But make no mistake, holding these tigers by the tail... Brexit, Covid recovery group, net zero scrutiny group, 
the tax stuff we did with Conservative Way Forward took its toll. We're all only human. And it, the way I've led rebellions, no one should have to do. And this is an important moment for me personally, because I can authentically say he's done it. If only everybody will read the text, think seriously about what an amazing achievement this is, what an incredible opportunity it provides for the people of Northern Ireland, and actually for the whole of Europe to move beyond this awful populism we've suffered. Just be sensible and grown up. Do the right thing by 1.9 million people. And the ripple effects for everybody else. You bet I'm emotional, because this book ends a seven-year chapter of my life, which I will be glad to close. Northern Ireland Office Minister Steve Baker. It's a minute and a half to nine.